How's everybody doing tonight? Present? Well fed? Tom, good to see you back. If you got your Bible in front of you, which is probably good since you're at Bible study, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9. I want to spend a couple of minutes reviewing. We basically, at the beginning of class, introduced the book of Proverbs, and we divided it up into three major categories. What we're doing now is we're nearing the end of that first section of Proverbs. And so the first section um, basically has two people who speak, who speak out. So what I wanted to do tonight is just, uh, and I think Adam is my mic runner back there. Mr. Adam, thank you for running the mic. I wanted to ask tonight to get us going, uh, who can tell me one of the two speakers who's talking to us in the first section of Proverbs? We have two speakers. Well, you got to be more specific. That's too easy. Proverbs is a whole book of wisdom. All right. There's two primary speakers who share wisdom. Well, we know Solomon's a writer. Yeah, Solomon's a writer. Okay, thank you, Warren. So tell me about, let's get the mic to Warren. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick your brain a little bit. So tell me about the father as, he, as he's speaking in the first section. He's instructing his son on uh, things to avoid and things to observe. Okay, like, like a father who should be instructing children, right. uh, particular sons, thank you Warren, on things to uh, avoid, things to pursue, uh, things that will make life go easier if we seek wisdom. So he's basically calling out to his son and telling him different things. Uh, and, and we talked about all these different topics of uh, uh, one of the things that we see recurring in this first section is the, the uh, adulterous woman or the woman that tries to entice him. And so we know that young men often will fall victim to, to sexual temptation. And, and there are women out there who um, maybe have that ability to entice, attract, and ultimately lead young men to their death. Um, it's a bad situation. So there's a lot of pitfalls for young men. And those of you that are fathers of, of young people, uh, remember to instruct your sons. Remember to tell them the things that they should or shouldn't do uh, to navigate life and some of the pitfalls out there. So thank you, Warren. Good. All right. That's one of the two speakers. Who is the other person in the first section of Proverbs? It was a woman, yeah. And what did, what did she call herself? You remember? Yeah. That's all you know. Okay, Lady Wisdom calls out, and there are four sections in the first, you know, we divided Proverbs into three sections. There's four areas where she calls out. We've talked about three of those sections, 
And tonight, uh, we'll finish up, and then as we finish up, then we'll jump into the, the middle part of Proverbs, which is going to be several chapters of sayings that are wisdom sayings, all right? So wisdom calls out. Lady wisdom calls out. Uh, let's see. So we did part one, part two, and last week we kind of went, we wound up in uh, part three where wisdom calls out again. And so now what I want to do is read Proverbs 9, which is the last section of Lady Wisdom calling out. And do I have any volunteers that like to read Proverbs 9 for me, that whole chapter? Any brave soul out there? Okay, Roy is a brave, oh. All right, we got somebody else. Who, who's going to read? Oh, Will? Okay. All right. We'll get you next time, Roy. I've, actually, we've got more reading to do tonight, so we'll tag you, all right? So Will's going to read Proverbs 9 in its entirety, then we'll talk a little about that section where Lady Wisdom, finally, this is her final call, calls out to us to listen. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house, on a seat by the highest places of the city, to call to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Okay, thank you, Will. Good job. Appreciate that reading. So here is the last attempt for Lady Wisdom who is calling out and trying to get her attention, hey, I'm over here, please listen to me. So in this, in this particular chapter, what is Lady Wisdom doing? How does she, how does she get her attention? In, in the beginning of the chapter, what is she doing? Yeah, she's preparing a great banquet, right? Uh, the seven pillars have been built on the house. She says she slaughtered her beasts. She's mixed her wine. She set her table. Now she sent out young women delegates to go invite people from the streets to come and feast with her. And she calls out in verse 4, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come eat of my bread. Now, understand that this is a metaphor. She's not inviting people to a literal banquet, but she's saying if you'll come and feed on the wisdom that I offer you, then your life will be blessed. 
But unfortunately, in previous readings, we've seen where wisdom calls out, people are too busy, they're too distracted. Uh, life's just so busy, hustle and bustle of life, we don't really stop to ponder the things that make us wise, right? That's kind of why I appreciate the scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God. Spend time in your daily routine for reflection, for meditation, reading of the word, prayer. Sometimes we just need to be still and say, God, I want you to guide me, lead me. I want to listen to Lady Wisdom. Please give me wisdom. She says in verse 6, leave your simple ways. Please come in, dine with me. Let me teach you and guide you. Live and walk in the way of insight. Then she shifts her, her message a little bit in verse 7, and she's saying, you know, if you're, if you're going along your way and you run into a person who is uh, a foolish person or a scoffer, if you try to teach them, if you try to reprove them, if you try to um, uh, rebuke them, then it's sort of pointless. But if you give instruction to a wise man, he'll become even wiser. So wise people seem to be open to instruction. Wise people recognize wisdom. And they're like, what that person just said, that makes sense. And I should do that. I should heed that because if I exercise that wisdom, it'll make me have a better life. It'll prevent bad things. Teach a righteous man, he'll increase in learning. And I love verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear God, keep his commandments, have a diligent respect for God, and understand that God doesn't say these things to make your life harder. He says these things to give you more um, pleasant, sweet, enjoyable life because you walk the paths of wisdom. You listen to God and avoid folly. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And then she says, for by me, your days will be multiplied. You'll live a long life. You'll do things that are wise. Your years will be uh, added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Now she shifts in chapter 9 to verse 13. So there's a contrast here and a lady called Folly. So what does it say about Folly. Tell me about this lady. What does it say here in beginning in verse 13? Let's just throw out some attributes or characteristics of folly. She's what? Yeah, she's foolish. Uh, it says here in verse 13, she's seductive. Seductive. She puts on lots of makeup and tries to get the attention of anyone that will pay attention to her. And what did you say, Wayne? I'm sorry. Yeah, she knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house and takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. So these guys are just walking along the path, you know, in the, in the street. She's like, hey, hey, you, come here. I got something I want to tell you. And so she bats her eyelashes and whatever she does to get men's attention. But she, uh, she tries to invite people to listen to her to take an interest in her. Maybe she's attractive, I don't know. But there are some who stop and listen to her. Listen what it says in verse 16. 
Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. What do you think that means? What does that hidden message mean? What way? Adultery. Adultery. Yeah. Yeah. Shh. Nobody has to know what we're getting ready to do, but it sure will be fun. Yes, sir. Yeah. But uh, they didn't listen to Lady Wisdom where they are listening to Lady Folly. Yeah. Now, I suspect, I don't know this, but I suspect Lady Folly is a looker, right? Woo-wee. She's good looking. She's got her makeup done and her hair all done up and wearing her jewelry. And she looks like she could be fun, right? Well... Initially, she piques the interest of young men who stop and pay attention, right? Yeah, wisdom, wisdom may not be as fun-looking, right, as, as exciting. And so Lady Wisdom further intrigues her listeners. I'm sorry, let me say that right. Lady Folly, woman who is of folly, intrigues her people by saying, look, I have something I want to offer you, but we can't tell anybody. This is a secret, you know, implying that either she's married or she knows the guys are married and they shouldn't be doing this, but we're going to go do something uh, that is fun and it's enjoyable and stolen water is sweeter. And so um, uh, come and enjoy this with me. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant, right? We're not going to tell anybody. And so, so often, young men get trapped in this pattern of fornication or adultery or a um, clandestine meeting with some young woman that's exciting and gets his blood pumping. And he, you know, he, he has his first experience and goes back and has his next experience and on and on and on until there's like an addiction. And all of a sudden, those that he should be paying attention to at home are ignored and the relationship crashes and burns, and he's foolishly ruined his marriage, right? Disgraced his family and become a victim of, of the lady who is the way of folly. Sound familiar? Yeah, Will. Hang on a sec. Let's get the mic to you. Adam's coming. Thank you, Adam. I like the contrast between uh, the way wisdom calls to people versus folly they both say let the simple turn in here yeah wisdom is inviting them to a feast that will make them full that will satisfy their spirituality them yeah whereas folly is saying turn in here because this tastes good this looks good it's sweet and uh, is inviting them to have pleasure not necessarily to fulfill uh, their spiritual needs. Is there anybody else that operates like that that you can think of? <laughs> uh, the devil. <laughs> yeah. Does that sound like the, the way the devil works? Man, he can take something that is corrupt and vile and deadly, and he can put glitter on it and make it look so attractive. And in your mind, you think, I've got to have this. I can't live without it. I deserve it. I need to have fun. 
I'm all stressed, and so I just need to blow off some steam and have a little fun, right? And so the devil will lure you in. He will entice you and tell you lies, and then once he's got you, boom, it's too late. You're, you're ensnared, right? In a, in a previous chapter, it mentions young men who are led astray by this, this uh, licentious woman, and, and it says that it's almost like a bull that's being led to slaughter. You know, they just don't know it, but they're getting ready to die. So sad. Now, it says in verse 18, the young man that pays attention to this woman, the woman of folly, it says here that he does not know that the dead are there. Now, that's not literally dead people. It just means that other people that have crossed her threshold and gone in for their enjoyment and entertainment, they died spiritually died, they ruined their reputation, they made horrible mistakes, and now he's getting ready to do the same. So he, like the others, crosses the threshold of death, right? It's like, guys, wake up, pay attention, listen to your mama, (laughs) listen to her words. He does not know the dead are there that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So, quite an intriguing uh, chapter. I really enjoy it. And um, I appreciate Lady Wisdom calling out. I just want to say to the young men in our, in our class tonight, go through and read Proverbs because it can save you a lot of heartache if you'll just listen to wisdom. You know, unfortunately, I know I was there one time when I was a teenager. I knew everything. Man, the world was so lucky to have me because I had all knowledge up here, you know. Anything you wanted to know, just ask me and I'd tell you. You ever been there before, guys? You know, you feel like you're endowed, you're equipped with all, and besides your dad, he's so old-fashioned. What does he know? He gives you advice, you're like, yeah, right, right. So it happens sometimes when you're a young man, you kind of feel like you don't need advice. You don't need people to steer you or or correct you or guide you, but that's the most crucial time is when you're young and inexperienced to listen to Lady Wisdom. Yes, sir, Sean? You need the mic? All right. You mean to tell me you know more than me? No, sir. You know what, Sean? Nowadays, as I get older and I have a little gray hair, if somebody says, uh, what do you know about that? I'm like, uh, you know, I need, to, I need to review or study that. I need to learn more. I don't, always ha- I don't always have to have the answer. But back when I was younger, I felt like I needed to speak up and say something. It's okay to say, I don't know. Let me read. Let me study about that. Let me pray about that, you know. We're always learning. We're always gaining information. So I think the older we get and the wiser we become, maybe the less likely we are to just blurt out an answer. We don't have to have an answer. It's okay not to know. It's okay to lean on the Lord. You know, Paul said that when I am weak, I'm strong. When I rely upon the Lord because I acknowledge my own sinfulness and my weakness, my own flesh uh, deficit, when I rely on the Lord to guide me and instruct me, I'm much stronger rather than becoming self-reliant and full of pride. And so just a word of caution to young people in general, men 
and young women both to be careful. Take advice. Find an old person that can mentor you and train you and sit down and advise you and share things from their life experiences. So, so valuable. I feel really, really uh, sorry for maybe young people that are being raised up that don't have that male role model in their life, a person that's a father figure that can teach them and guide them because it is so critical. All right, as we leave Proverbs 9, is there any comments or questions, observations, thoughts about Lady Wisdom who's called out and then Lady Folly? Anybody? All right. So now we're moving into the next section of Proverbs, and we're going to divide this up into two sections. You may want to just make a note that our next section will be comprised of chapters 10 through 29. 10 through 29. It's kind of hard to describe what's in this section of Proverbs other than a lot of little short, pithy sayings, sayings of wisdom. It's like one-liners things that impart to you knowledge. And so I think the idea when Solomon wrote these is that we would take the scroll, take the Bible, and we continue reading these and studying these. And after enough time of reading and studying, maybe that little voice speaks to us when we find ourselves in a situation where we're like, whoa, wait a minute. I remember reading that in, in Proverbs about what the wise person would do, which means I'm going to make this choice. I'm going to go this direction. I remember the wisdom that I found in these sections. So tonight, we're going to begin uh, chapters 10 through 19. Don't know that we're going to even get close to going through nine chapters in the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But the next, uh, when we get through 10 through 19, we're going to shift over to 20 through 29. So if you want to read those two areas, 10 through 19, 20 through 29, that'll be the main section of Proverbs in section 2. So what I, what I basically wrote down as I was reading is that these, this section of Proverbs contains a wide variety of topics. Uh, we encounter these things in everyday life, but you will find as we read through some of these chapters, I won't read all of them in their entirety. I'll just read maybe a few, a few verses that I picked out of the chapter. Some will read in their entirety. But what you're going to find is you'll find recurring themes woven into this section of Proverbs. For example, one of the themes that you're going to find is the value of what we say or don't say through our speech. Our speech can tell people a lot about who we are and how wise we are. You see, foolish people, based on this section of Proverbs, tend to blurt things out. They don't give a lot of thought. They always have to say something. Wise people, on the other hand, will think and weigh their words carefully. So if we observe and practice these things, then we're going to prevent heartache. We're going to prevent being labeled as a fool. We won't fall into the traps of foolish people. So what I want to do tonight is uh, we're going to read chapter 10 in its entirety, and then I want to kind of point out some what I call a pattern of Proverbs in these next several chapters. So I am looking for a volunteer that would like to read Proverbs 10. You want to do try that, Roy? Okay. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son 
makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Treasures of the wicked profit nothing, but the righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desires of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of a diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. The blessings are the head of the righteousness, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. A memory is, the memory of righteousness is blessed, but the name of the wicked is not. A wise in heart will receive commands, but a parting fool will fall. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who prevents his way excuse me, will become known. He who winks at the eye causes trouble, but a parting fool will fail. The mouth of the righteousness is a well of life, but the violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but the rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Wise people go up, wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of a foolish is near destruction. A rich man's wealth is, is his strong city. The destruction of a poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the wicked to sin. He who keeps the instruction is the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, but whoever spreads the slander is a fool. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteousness is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. Mm -hmm. The lips of the righteousness feed many, but the fools die for the lack of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds, to, adds no sorrow with it. So, so do evil is like a sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes by and the wicked is no more, but the righteousness has an everlasting foundation. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of wicked will be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but the destruction will come to the workers of annuity. The righteous, want, the righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the righteousness brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. 
but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. All right. Thank you, Roy. I appreciate that. Thanks, Adam. So let's talk about patterns in this chapter. Anybody observe any kind of pattern as we were reading down through this chapter? Yeah, Dennis? Tell me about the pattern you saw. Well, it, it tells the difference between those who are seeking righteousness and knowledge to those that are not. They're seeking things of the world. Yeah. It compares them. Yeah, it's... Back I, and forth, back and forth. Yeah, what I noticed in each, each little one-liner, basically each verse, it'll assert often uh, the wise person, what they do. If you'll notice, it'll stop and say, but... So there's a compare-contrast. A wise person does X, but a foolish person does Y. As a result, here's the effect in their life. And so it shows, it shows this pattern of the statement affirming a righteous or wise person in one sentence. Then the second statement begins with but, showing a foolish path. So as you're reading, you're mentally going, okay, I need to be the first part, not the second part need to be the first part, not the second part. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. Here's the benefits of listening. Now, sometimes as you go through, you have to be careful because Solomon will reverse that and he'll start out with the foolish and then uh, give the wise or he'll give a wise and then another wise saying back to back. So it's not always the same pattern, but pretty consistently shows that pattern. Some are restating of the same idea. So what I did, I went back and just very quickly looked at chapter 10 and then wrote down um, a list of, of topics. These are like topics of things that we just read in this one chapter. So let me, if you'll bear with me just a minute. It talks about a wise and a foolish son, uh, ill-gained treasure, uh, God's provision, him taking care of those who trust him, um, it con contrasted laziness and hard work, gathering a harvest, the righteous and the wicked, leaving a legacy or a, a positive name to your family heritage, accepting commands from the Lord, staying on straight paths and the benefit of that. Um, it described the words of wise people and how they benefit those around them. He said that love is better than hate. The rod is for the foolish. The mouth of the foolish uh, often will bring um, disruption in people's lives. And there's not much forethought. When a fool speaks, he doesn't think. He just speaks. All right? We should cherish wisdom and seek it out. Fools have no regard for their behavior. And there is a secret to long life. A secret to long life. What I notice is there's a lot that has to do with what comes out of our mouth. And as you begin reading these chapters and studying on your own, you're going to notice that all through this is woven the idea of how we choose our words and what we say. And so we need to be careful. I need to be careful. So many times when somebody's talking, I'm already formulating what I want to say back to them. I'm guilty of that. Are y'all guilty of that? You know, I just need to listen. I need to listen and stop and pause and think about carefully what I want to say in response. So uh, on occasions, I'll be listening to somebody on the phone, and there'll be silence, and they're like, 
Hello? Are you there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking. I'm thinking, give me a minute. I want to answer. So uh, maybe that shows wisdom if we don't always just blurt out the first thing that comes to our mind when somebody is talking to us or somebody asks our opinion. And, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying in some cases, you know, that's a really interesting question, and I don't know that I have an answer for you, but would you allow me to pray about this and maybe do some study? And we'll meet again. We'll talk some more about this. But before I say anything to you, I want to ask the Lord to give me wisdom and guide me in how to best respond to this, because it's important. It affects your life. So I want you to know I, I think this is important, but I want to pray about it first. To me, that shows wisdom. So rather than feeling like you have to have, know the answer right off the top of your head. All right, any thoughts or comments? Oh, I wanted to ask one question. Let me go back and see if I can find this. Uh, look at verse 26. I thought this was funny. I wanted somebody to enlighten me, share some wisdom on verse 26. What does that mean? What does verse 26 mean? What do you think? I thought some of the gray-haired people among us tonight could uh, enlighten us. Yeah, like vinegar to the teeth. Okay. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. Both are very irritating or aggravating, right? All right. So like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. And then what's he say? Like the sluggard... So is the sluggard to those who send him. What does that mean? Well, yeah, apparently, apparently you're, really, you're really digging the bottom of the barrel when you have to send that guy, right, who's a, who's a loser. <laughs> he doesn't have a good work ethic, not a good reputation. You're like, oh, man, I... I really don't want to send him because I've had so many complaints. I've had a lot of callbacks. Just don't take pride in their work, or they're maybe not endowed with wisdom. They make foolish decisions. So it's aggravating. It's it, it's a source of it's a source of uh, aggravation to people to not only receive a sluggard, but if you have to send a sluggard to go do some work and represent you, that's even worse. No, don't send him. It's like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. So is a sluggard to those who send him. Send him, dispatch him to do a job. That's how I interpreted it. Does that make sense? So don't be like the sluggard who gets dispatched or sent out to do a job. You be the wise man. You be the one that, that maybe your boss is like, yes, I know if I send you, you're going to do a good job. And when you come back, I'll hear a good review. I know they'll be pleased with your work. Be that person. Be the one who takes pride in your work and shows wisdom. Tom, do you have something? Hang on a second. Let's get the mic to you. There you go. Uh, Thank you, Tom. Yes, sir. Backtracking just a little bit to your question about the vinegar on the teeth. Yeah. Um, it, it not only is it aggravating at the time, but it has a long time 
uh, deterioration of the enamel and causes it. Uh, wow, uh, that's, so it's, it's not good at all to have vinegar on the teeth for, right. for a prolonged period. Right. Your dentist would not be happy. Yeah. Vinegar. I've never really swished around vinegar in my mouth for a long time, so I don't know, but I, I trust you. I mean, I know that's, that's probably true, that it, it's acidic and tends to eat away at the enamel. Vinegar to the teeth. Interesting. I just thought that was kind of a funny, kind of a quippy saying, and I, I'd never really thought about it that way, sending that guy, you know, that is not a good worker. All right. Was there anything else that jumped out at you in that chapter that you're like, ooh, I like that? Anybody? Anything that jumped out at you? You want to share? All right. Let me read it, and then we'll get you to comment on it. Verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. All right. So... Speak to me. What, what, what do you like about it? Well, I guess if you're looking through the eyes of love, you can ignore shortcomings, I suppose. Is that the meaning of that? Yeah, I, I think, I don't know, Warren, you've probably seen this before when two guys get together and they lean in and they go, oh, yeah? <laughs> so what are you going to do about it? It's like, oh, man, here we go. I can, I can see what's coming. And the other guys, well, I'll just show you. You think you're all that, don't you? So all of a sudden, their body language is, I'm getting ready to punch this guy in the nose. This is going to be violent. And so having, having the wisdom to say, you know, I, I really don't want to argue with you right now. I want to be a peacemaker. So maybe we just need to think about our differences, and, and you know, we'll talk about this later. Let's cool off, de-escalate, right? Some people aren't good at de-escalating. They want to win at all costs, right? So hatred stirs up strife. In other words, if you, if you enter a situation where uh, you're angry, you're mad at the world, you got a chip on your shoulder, and you're ready to knock this guy's teeth out, you know, it's just not going to be, you're probably not going to be a fun person to be around right? And you're going to be somebody who's a hater. You stir up strife. But if you can show love toward that person who may disagree with you, if you can show love and see where they're coming from and see their point of view, maybe you can learn to de-escalate and it covers offenses. They may even say something bad at you, you know, or disrespect you or say something about your mama. The mouth of a righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. What 11 is really saying is a righteous person lives righteously and they uh, speak things that are lifting and uh, edifying. However, it says the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. There's violence right under the uh, surface, just ready to come out. A wicked person. So... Yeah, I think maybe they maybe they go together, Roy. That that's probably a good a good assumption. All right, anybody else? Any other verses that kind of jumped out at you? So now we've gotten our first taste of kind of how Proverbs is flowing. You got a statement of the affirmative, 
and then there's a but, and then a statement of the unwise in most cases. So it's a compare contrast. You want to do what's good and avoid that which is not wise. And so there's a lot of different categories covered in each chapter. Quickly, as um, I think we're running out of time, but let's jump to 11. And what I wanted to do here is give you an example of 11. Uh, I want to go down to verse 25. And I'm sorry, I, I wish I had the time to read each proverb, but since there's 31, chap 31 chapters of Proverbs, we're just going to have to kind of hit the highlights. You may want to go back and read these on your own. But look at verse 25, and let's see if we can figure out the pattern here. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. What's the pattern there? Does that give a wisdom and a foolishness contrast? It doesn't, does it? What does it do? Okay. Sorry. All right. I'd say it's like it, it, it's telling you that if you are generous with your help and your advice, people will turn around and bring forth back unto you what you give them. Right. Right. And then I think you had to comment. Basically the same thing as Roy. You know, it's it, when you put something into it, you get something back out of it. Right. You know, there's a, there's a benefit to, to doing these things. I like the old saying, maybe you heard it before, what goes around comes around. Comes around, right? If you give off good karma, if you're kind to people, if you share, if you share words of wisdom and you're consoling and you care about people, chances are that people will treat you in a similar manner and you'll have a more peaceful life because whoever brings blessings will be enriched, I believe, by God. And one who waters will himself be watered. There's a blessing to building up other people, right? To nourishing and caring for other people. So this is one of those statements, a little short, pithy statements, the plus plus, not a plus minus, right? You follow me? So it's a, it's a statement of positive, and then it restates something very similar that's also positive. So it, it accentuates the benefit of being a blessing to others, right? Anybody else have their hand up? I didn't want to miss, oh yeah, Stacy, I'm sorry. It, re <clears throat> it reminds me of John 4, when his disciples came back to him after he was talking to the woman at the well. He told them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. In other words, the, 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 the benefit of obeying God, whether we call that wisdom or... The, the written word or for whatever form that we get, it feeds us in ways that won't make sense to those without the Spirit. It just doesn't make sense how that is, how that pays dividends because you can't see them. Even his disciples didn't understand. Right. How did he, how did he get food? What's he talking about? Yeah. What, what do you mean? So they, they were trying to discern, but were still somewhat immature in their faith. But later, post-resurrection, um, and seeing the crucified Jesus raise again and, and go up into the heaven and give them the Great Commission, I believe the Holy Spirit infused them with understanding and knowledge, and they were able to go out and preach boldly. Now they had understanding and knowledge and wisdom, but they struggled. They struggled even 
as Jesus was in the tomb and they were hiding in an upstairs room. And so we see quite a transformation in these apostles as God started working through them. And uh, it's just, you know, if you, if you go way, way back to the beginning when Solomon was anointed as a king, do you remember his prayer? What did he ask God for? Wisdom. He said, Lord, I'm just, I'm just a, kind of a young child. I don't know how to go, go out and come in. I don't know how to lead this great people. And so God was extremely pleased with that prayer. He gave him both wisdom and great riches. While we have time, very quickly, let's go down to verse 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. All right, what's the pattern on that verse? That's one of those plus minuses, right? Whoever trusts in riches will fall. But the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. And we know who makes that green leaf flourish, don't we? It's God. It's God who blesses the person who doesn't trust in their own riches, but they trust in God. And because they trust in God and they don't hold their riches tightly, but they say, God, this is all yours. Give me wisdom to use your resources. Let me use these resources to bless others. God says, oh, my son, I'm going to keep blessing you. Isn't that neat? I'll keep blessing you. You'll never want. All right. Well, we're out of time, so we're going to pick up at chapter 12 and do some of the same things. We're just hit, hit some verses real quick as we go from chapter to chapter. So if you want to go back and read, uh, go ahead and read uh, 9, 10 through 19. 10 through 19 is our first section. Thank you to those who made comments tonight. I appreciate it. What's their song Okay. Give our ladies a minute to get back.
Thanks, Adam. Good to see everybody here tonight. I wanted to just say, first, thank you. I appreciated the elders allowing me to be gone last weekend at CYC. We had a, a great weekend. It was tiring. Uh, I think as I get older, those things are harder to do. But young people have more energy. But it was great. Wonderful, wonderful youth group. So proud of them. And uh, thanks again to the elders for letting me be away. Our invitation song is number 546, Jesus is Coming Soon. Um, I was watching a documentary the other night on the Murdaugh family. Maybe y'all have seen this ongoing trial uh, in South Carolina. It's, it's a very sad, sad situation of a prestigious family, very wealthy family that kind of owns the town. They, um, they're basically lawyers by profession, but they're a family who likes to party hard. They like to drink hard, and they think they're above the law. They don't have to follow the rules, and any time they break the law, the law is there to protect and cover them. So there's a lot of things that are going on that should not have, and now we see his life unraveling uh, in the recent trial where he's possibly murdered his own wife and son. And as I'm watching this trial unfold, maybe you've seen it on the news, I'm wondering, will justice really be served? Will they ever really get down to the truth of who did what, and will he pay justice in our court system? For those of you like me that are sometimes a little doubtful of how well justice is administered in our judicial system, I just want to point something out that we all need to remember. And that is, regardless of what happens on this earth, there will always be the ultimate justice carried out by our Lord. His justice will be swift, his justice will be perfect, and it will always be true and accurate. So if you're unfortunately a person who has suffered a wrong in this earth, and you feel that justice has not been served, or you see wicked who sometimes go scot-free and never pay the price, just remember there is a day that we will all stand before the Lord. The Bible tells us that we will reap what we sow. If you sow to the Lord and do good things and follow his word, then you'll reap the benefits of that obedience and faithfulness. But if you're one who abuses the system and you're corrupt in your practices and evil, you will also reap the consequences of that lifestyle standing before the Lord. I appreciate each of you being here tonight, and I just think we need to remember that God is the ultimate and perfect justice system. And one day, we will all stand before him, those who are good and those who are evil. When is that going to happen? We don't know. But we know that he's coming and he'll be coming soon. If we can help you in any way, if you need to respond, ask for prayers, or if we can comfort you in some way, or assist you in your spiritual walk, do that while we sing number 546. Trouble sometimes are here 
filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humble your hearts to God, save from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians awake. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous meet in the skies, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Troubles will soon be o'er, happy forevermore. When we meet on that shore, free from all care, rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye, homeward we then will fly, glory to share. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous meet in the skies. Going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Thank you, Dale. Please be seated. Just some quick announcements. Uh, we understand that little Liberty Rosales, that story's baby, is now home from the hospital doing well. And there's, if you're on Facebook, you'll see some pictures of Little Liberty. The Ladies' Sewing Group will be meeting tomorrow at 1230 here in the building. See Wanda if you have questions. Celebration of life service for Rick Bonzik, husband of Carol Bonzik, will be Saturday, March 4th at 10 a.m. That's in Austin and Bell in Pleasant View. Uh, we will be taking food to the family, so we need you to have the food here uh, at the church building by 1 o'clock on Friday, March 4th. Third, there's an elders deacons meeting coming up this Sunday at four. Hillcrest Congregation uh, is offering a ladies, ladies day April 1st at 9 a.m. They're going to serve lunch. There is a sign up sheet in the foyer, and if you need, if you want to attend, you need to sign up by March 26. Our sympathy goes out um, to the family of Vicki Randolph. This is Edeline's daughter and Robin's sister. Uh, she passed away, and they'll have a memorial service Friday at 10 a.m., March 10, in the chapel at Austin Bell in Springfield. The visitation will be March 9, from 4 to 7. She's a daughter of Edeline and the sister Robin, and we will be providing a meal for the family after the services, so we need your food here by 11.30 a.m. So any other announcements or updates? How about the sick? What's going on out there? In yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, we're going to be lifting you up before the Lord and praying that those things will go as well as possible. So just put it in God's hands. Thanks for letting us know. Anyone else? Give an update very quickly on Meg's dad. Um, he went to a neurologist, and they evaluated him and said there were a good possibility that there was a stroke involved, a loss of short-term memory. So right now his health is kind of holding steady, but short-term memory is, is gone. So just pray for Meg's mom and dad as um, 
they continue to kind of navigate the new normal. Meg does have a part-time um, caretaker that's there with them Monday through Friday, so that's good. Gives her a little relief. We're glad to have Meg back. I'm glad to have Meg back. So. But she'll be heading off again to, uh, to take care of her mom and dad before too long. So if there's no other announcements, then we'll ask Adam to come and, and lead us in prayer. What's our count tonight? Good, 116, wonderful. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we thank you for all the, the, the great wisdom that is, is given to us here at the church from Tom. Lord, we thank you for his searching and studying the scripture and, and sharing with us. And Father, we, we thank you for the leadership we have here. Father, we thank you for all the things that you've given us here as trials and all the blessings. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for little liberty, uh, the progress she's made in, in being able to come home, Father, and, and be with her family. We thank you for that. Father, we ask that you be with those in the congregation that have lost loved ones, that you'll, we ask that you'll send your Holy Spirit the Comforter to comfort them through this time, that a loss is always hard on a family, and grief is not something that we understand, but we know that you do, and we ask that you, you, you lean upon these families and these families, Lord, we ask that they will lean upon you for their strength. Father, we ask that you, you be with us as we go each day and that we'll reach out to those in the world and bring them into your, your fold, Lord, and help to see people saved and in a better state, Father. And it's in your Son's great and holy name we pray. Amen.